Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Project Next, the podcast that explores what's next in the world of brands, business, and culture. I'm your host, Brian Martin. Today, we're talking about the future of work. Joining us is Stephanie Natty Olson, who's the founder of We Are Rosie. We Are Rosie is a community of marketing consultants for hire in the advertising and marketing industry. Welcome, Stephanie. Thanks, Brian. I'm so happy to be here. I'm glad you're here. Stephanie, you are two years in with We Are Rosie. You've been recognized as an award-winning entrepreneur, and you're up for an Ad Age A-list award in the category of Vision slash Founder of the Year. Congratulations on both of those. So let's start with what inspired you to start We Are Rosie? Yeah, I mean, it's a pretty um, convoluted story, but when I think try to distill it down to the core things that led me here to this business, I think about a couple of things. One, that because I am the daughter of a refugee, I've always had an eye and a warm heart for marginalized and overlooked populations. And I've always thought that the work that I had to do or was able to do with those marginalized groups of people had to happen outside of work. And the nexus for starting this company was how can I bring that level of care and detail and thoughtfulness and how I want to live my life and the impact I want to make to my own business? And how do I leverage 15 years in the marketing and advertising industry while building a company that is in service of others, particularly those who are underrepresented or overlooked? Um, And this business was born out of that drive and desire to create that kind of working model where we are supporting people who are often um, overlooked, who don't really feel like they have a home. I call them my corporate refugees. You worked in advertising and marketing, and you wanted to create a business. And you could have been an ad agency. You could have gone client side. Why a, I guess, recruiting talent? What? How do you define what business you're in and why that business? Yeah. I refer to us as a flexible talent strategy, which is a new category that we're creating that can sometimes look like a staffing firm. It can sometimes look like an agency. It can sometimes look like a consultancy, depending on how our 4,000 flexible freelancers are used for a particular project. And the reason that I chose to create this business is one, I knew I wanted to build something new. I also have the blessing of having never worked at an ad agency. So people are often really surprised to hear that about me because we do so much work in this industry and I grew up in this industry, but I've never worked at an agency. So I never had any preconceived notions of what this should look like. Interesting. Um, And it was a gift because we have been able to build this business leveraging common sense from the ground up, right? So I'm not bringing in legacy agency infrastructure. I'm not bringing in legacy consulting infrastructure. I'm really just building a business that is heart-led, that is using a lot of common sense um, and thoughtfulness of how we can care for the people doing the work to create the biggest impact. Wow, that's so interesting to bring common sense to advertising. (laughs) No wonder you're doing so well. So what was the push that said, I'm going into business now? Like, where were you before you started this? So I started my career at giant behemoth uh, advertising companies. So I worked at Microsoft right out of college. I worked at AOL and was there through all the Tim Armstrong days of acquiring ad.com and the Huffington Post and Patch and all of that change and learned so much in these giant organizations. And then I just wanted a change of pace. So I went to work for some venture-backed startups, which was a very big change of pace for me. But still in the advertising industry, they were ad tech companies and got the startup itch. So that's when I was like, woo, this 
really resonates with me. Like, I really like this vibe. I like this hustle. I like figuring it out. I like the um, the teams and people being able to really feel their impact on the business. And so I was able to bring all of that background and experience into this company, which was really helpful because I have such a unique kind of um, diverse background with big companies and at small companies, too. And so tell me about the name, We Are Rosie. I picture Rosie the Riveter, but I don't think that that's the right way to look at it. Yeah, that's correct. So we get that assumption a good bit, um, and I certainly don't mind it. But the company's named after my youngest daughter. I have two little girls, a six-year-old and a four-year-old at home. And, you know, I quit uh, the highest paying job I've ever had in my life to start this business. My family made a decision for me to do this really risky thing. And I knew that it would be hard. And I wanted the company to have a name that would always remind me of our North Star as a business and what success looks like for our business. And the truth is, if We Are Rosie does our job right, we will leave this industry forever changed and we will have laid the blueprint for other industries and verticals to be welcome and open to flexible, modern working arrangements that support the people doing the work. And so the company's named after one of my daughters because I want her to have this opportunity when we're done. So in a business where the ad industry has been a little bit slow to embrace the crowdsourcing phenomenon, and so you've kind of come in with a hybrid approach where your focus is on people and the human aspect of it all, and you're killing it. Like in two years, you've now 4,000 employees and growing pretty rapidly and working with most of the big holding company agencies. How did you achieve all that? Yeah, it's been a lot of hard work, so I can't underplay <laughs> the role of 80-hour weeks for two years. It's also, to my earlier point, it's a lot of common sense. So I know that our solution works really well in certain instances, right? So that in times of transition, which in agency land is constant. And so we were able to get in with, yes, all six holding companies, 35 agencies within, um, and several large independent agencies because we are a solution for stabilizing the ship in times of uncertainty. And I think if anybody's paying attention to any of the press around agencies and the industry trades, that's the only constant right now is what is this agency model going to look like in the future? How is it going to evolve to better serve ever-changing client demands and needs? So we're really this um, flexible solution that can come in and stabilize the ship for our agency partners. And how are you recruiting all your people? We're not recruiting them. So that's the short answer. There is so much pent-up demand for people that want to work in a flexible way that haven't found an outlet to have the career that they want and the life and dignity that they want to work in a way that makes sense for them. So as soon as it gets out into the world that we are doing this and that we embrace whole human beings, that dignity is at the core of everything we do, um, and that we're really dedicated to caring for the people doing the work, it has just spread like wildfire. So um, our clients refer Rosies to us. Our Rosies refer other Rosies to us. Every time we get great press, you know, we've been picked up in uh, Forbes and Business Insider and won some awards. We'll see two or 300 people join our community that week. Wow, that's good. Um, and we've now hit this really steady run rate of 100 to 150 new people joining our community every week, which is mind-blowing. Wow. And they're former Fortune 500 CMOs. They're former CEOs of ad agency holding companies. They're creative directors and copywriters and events people. They're loyalty marketers and strategists. I mean, now that we're at 4,000 people, we are one of the largest marketing organizations in the world. You are, yeah. You've kind of rewritten the rules right in two quick years. That's, yeah. That's impressive. 
And how does it work? Do you put a team in and they work together? Do they all have they worked together before, or are in that process are people coming together for the first time? Yeah, there's two parts of our business. So there's rosy talent, where you may need an individual for a specified period of time that has a really niche skill set、um, in the marketing space, and then we have rosy teams. To your point, where we handpick a group of people that are uniquely suited to do a project from our community of four thousand. Um, most often, they haven't worked together before. Sometimes they have. We have a lot of creative duos in our community that love working together, so we'll try to keep them together. But we also sometimes mix it up, kind of in our effort to rewrite the rules of advertising and to not make any assumptions about what can work.、Um, we're always interested in putting really diverse, inclusive teams of sometimes unexpected talent together to tackle a project,、um, and we're doing a lot of that work with our brand clients right now. Where they may typically give consulting work to an Accenture or BCG or McKinsey, and they're now recognizing that the We Are Rosie talent community is a great alternative to those models because we can handpick and be so prescriptive with the people that are tackling the work, and we're able to put together these really highly skilled Navy SEAL teams to tackle a project for a brand. Wow, that sounds really interesting. Yeah. What are you learning about the advertising and marketing community as you're doing this? You know, I think that this industry as a whole has been、um, really slow to adopt the progressive values that many people would think that we have. And when I what I mean by that is the way that we are boxing in how work has to happen in the advertising industry. Is actually exclusive. When this industry leads with, we need to be inclusive. We need to represent the end consumer. We need to have diverse teams doing work. I think there's been a massive miss across the board, brands and agencies, where people haven't recognized that by having these really finite, immovable rules about how work has to happen for your organization, you've missed a huge opportunity to have an inclusive, diverse workforce. So I think that's a conversation that we're pushing to the forefront, that we're making a lot of progress on, and our our partners and our clients are really receptive to it. I think there's too much talk about. How we can make big changes and not enough change happening—that was one of the things that was really frustrating me before I started the business. I thought, can we just not have another panel about this and just build a business that actually is inclusive,、um, that actually is thoughtful, where we actually care for the people doing the work and show that the business outcomes will follow? And that's what we set out to build. So I think that there's a lot of room for other organizations to adopt that philosophy as well. So you've learned a lot about different organizations and your teams and being a more diverse workforce. How are you finding the process of collaborating? Like we find in the ad business, nobody owns an idea anymore. You're working with many different companies, many different people on anything you're doing. What have you learned about collaboration to make that process work more efficiently? Yeah. I would say that one way that we can kind of challenge the accepted business norms around how collaboration has to look—it's often you need to have an experience together, you need to have history together. It needs to be a team that's gelled and they've traveled together and they've worked at the same place and they have all of these commonalities. And what we have determined is that it's just simply not true. So we have a hundred percent client retention rate. So the work that we're doing is going very well. Almost ninety percent of the time, 
our clients are rolling our rosies into different types of work or it's evolving into a bigger project or kind of a second stage of a project. So we're doing well on the delivery front. And what I can say about collaboration, because this comes up so often for us, because they're like, these people live in different states. They haven't met before. I think that the greatest example of this is actually a, a SWAT team that we put together for one of our CMO partners that really just wanted a high level audit of how they were doing across SEO, SEM, digital marketing, and social. And we put together this team that lived in four different states. They'd never met before. Um, we did obviously a prep call and a kickoff call for them before they tackled the project. And the CMO called me and said, after we got the project going, and she said, Steph, these are the smartest people I've ever gotten to work with. Wow. I love them. They're all so unique in their own ways. They each bring their own diverse perspective to the work that we're doing, and they love each other. And I said, this comes up so often around how do these teams work together? The common bond that brings our Rosies together is the drive to prove that this way of working is the future. And that if people are trusted and given the dignity to work in a way that makes sense for their lives, they will over deliver for their clients and they'll do the best work of their lives. So we all kind of have this chip on our shoulder where we want to prove that you don't have to sacrifice quality for tapping into independent talent. And so that is what bonds all of us together. That's great. I mean, you have your own culture, but you're bringing that culture into so many other organizations. Yeah. Wow. Your clients bringing their people into your culture, like how does that cross-cultural happening? A lot of our clients have stood up kind of an internal process to work with our Rosies, right? At first, because we're offering something new, they give it a chance. We help with the infrastructure. We help make sure that our Rosies are set up for success as best we can on our end. Once we prove the value of this model, because it is disruptive, it is new, um, we are asking them to change the way they get business done, we then roll into helping them do the org transformation that is required to welcome our Rosies and set them up for success and really have them gel with internal teams. It looks different across the board. Sometimes it is that a client will take a We Are Rosie resource manager and keep them on site. And it is their job to indoctrinate our Rosies into the corporate culture, whether they're remote or on site for our clients. And they really are able to blend the cultures because they're um, immersed in the client's business. So that's one way. Sometimes the client will just um, assign somebody within their organization to do exactly that. Instead of bringing in a Rosie resource manager, they'll have somebody who's kind of a cultural ambassador and making sure that our Rosies are set up for success as well. It looks different in every place. And the really cool thing and the heartwarming thing for us is that we are seeing the cultural transformation where our clients are putting in the processes to make sure that they're able to welcome and maximize the um, ability of a Rosie to make an impact on their business really quickly. Wow, so interesting. And do you see this happening more broadly in advertising and marketing? Do you see this trend continuing or do you see anything that's going to hold it up? This is 100% going to continue. The mm-hmm. growth rate of our business, you know, we're a bootstrapped business and we um, are really scrappy. Our business will grow 4x this year without a doubt. Wow. Um, and that's kind of just the that's my minimum expectation for the growth. So there's a ton of opportunity for this model to continue to grow and be adopted. I think that marketing organizations, whether it's an agency or a brand, can't ignore this anymore. We're already at critical mass. I tell people all the time, like, this isn't your mama's freelance. These are not people floating between jobs. These are not unemployable people. These are people that you would love to have on your team full time that have opted into working in a more flexible, independent way. 
Um, this is a huge, uh, you know, shift in our culture. And even as we think about how used to the sharing economy we have all become, you know, like I have my groceries delivered to my house, I have a stranger taking me to the airport. You know, there's so many ways that we've adopted the sharing economy and it's become cultural. The final frontier of this is professional services. And we're slowly removing the ecological barriers and process barriers to making this the new normal. And do you accept everybody that comes along or do you filter out people that you don't feel fit the rosy brand? Yeah, we definitely filter. Our promise to our clients is not to put anyone in front of them that we wouldn't have working on our own business. So everybody um, before they're placed on a project or recommended to a client is screened and vetted on our end. Um, If a client mandates it, we also run background checks. And it's truly a common sense filter. We get on the, the phone, we get on video with them, and we have a conversation with them as a whole person. Our objective is to extract, yes, what is your experience around specific skill sets that are really important for this client, but also, and this is where we're so different from other companies, we ask them, what makes you light up? What resonates with you? What kind of work will make you happy to come to work every day? Because a resume doesn't always give you that answer. Yeah. And it changes throughout the seasons of your life. And so our objective is to connect people to work that they're uniquely suited to do, but that will bring them joy. And I think that that is a huge reason why we have such a high success rate. And do you do a lot with your people once they've joined the firm for to keep them together, to do group activities outside of their client engagements? Yes. So this is an area, honestly, where we're really focused on for 2020. So we've uh, just developed our own community engagement program, and we're rolling it out this year. And it'll look like a few different things because the feedback we've gotten from our community is that different people want different things. So we're trying to figure out how we can support everybody without putting too much stress on our bootstrapped system. So what it will look like in the beginning is a mentorship program where when you join the We Are Rosie community, you can raise your hand and say that you want a mentor or you want to be a mentor. Also, what skills you have to lend or what skills you want to learn so that we can begin to facilitate those matches. We'll also be rolling out a buddy program for our veteran Rosies who have done 10, 15 projects with us to be coupled with a new Rosie on their first project to make sure that they have somebody they can talk to and bounce ideas off of and even talk about the personal implications of working in this way. Um, And we're also rolling out um, in-person meetups, which is really cool. We did our first one in Atlanta last week. And it was the most incredible, uh, incredibly rewarding moment, honestly, since we've started this company, because we're here every day hustling to create opportunity for these 4,000 people. And we're always just on to the next thing, right? We have 90 clients. We work with the biggest brands in the world. We're constantly keeping that wheel in motion. And sometimes I think even as busy as we are, we forget about the impact we're making. We know it's amazing and our Rosies give us great feedback, but to have that one-on-one time with them and for people to share their heartfelt stories about how we've changed their lives, how they've never been happier, how their relationship with their partner has improved, how they feel like they're a better parent, how this is the life that if they could have ever designed one in their dreams, this is what it would look like, was so incredibly rewarding. And then to get to connect them with each other is really cool. Wow, that sounds so amazing. Yeah. How do you evaluate how they're doing, how they're performing? Does each client have a different approach to that, or is that your approach that you bring across the board? 
Um, we work with our clients on this. So we have a people experience team that does not disappear when a project starts. So our people experience group checks in both with our client and with our Rosies. So they'll hear from our team throughout the project where they're welcoming them on their first day. How did it go? Do you feel set up for success? And then once they get started, we're asking them, you know, how, how is it still going? Are you still really happy? Is everything going well? Is there anything we can do to support you? So we're constantly getting that feedback because we're evaluating our clients and our Rosies. Because dignity is at the core of what we do, we also hold our clients to a really high standard in how they take care of our talent while they're with them. Um, and of course, we check in with our clients as well. And we get the most incredible feedback. It's consistently across the board. This talent is amazing. I don't want them to leave. How can I keep them around longer? Please tell them we love them. You know, it's just the most incredible thing. They've started sending our Rosie's home on their last day with gift baskets and champagne, and they have goodbye parties for them. And then often a month later, they'll be like, we have something else for them to do. Can we get them back? And that's just the magic of this whole thing. I mean, all boats truly are rising when we care for the people doing the work. So it's it's pretty incredible. And what do you think is the reason that this is working so well? Like so many of other other people try to do something similar, but yeah. you're successful with it. I think it's that we really mean it when we lead with our core values. There's a lot of talk and a, a lot in the trades lately about doing good is good for business. And I think there are a lot of businesses that are really scared to actually do it and mean it, and they let their fear keep them from really doing it. I think working remotely is a great example of this. There's this fear-based culture in major organizations, agencies and brands that say, you have to be on site to work. And I think that there's, um, there's so much room for improvement there. We have built a business from the ground up based on trust. We don't know these people that well, right? There's 4,000 of them. Right, you we, can. <laughs> we vet them as best we can. We use a common sense filter um, and we trust them. Part of our core values is that we trust people, we speak plainly, we speak up if something seems off, um, and we use our intuition to make sure we're we're taking care of the talent and that we're supporting them in a way that they can be successful. And I think that is why, hands down, this is such a successful business. We really mean it. Like the, you will not find any cracks in that facade of how we care for the people doing the work. Yeah, no, it's been impressive seeing your arc over the last couple of years, going from very small base to something much bigger, and it continues. It's, it's impressive. Where do you go from here? What's next for you? Well, this is the year that we are looking into going global per client request. So that's something that's on the docket for this year. Uh, because of the coronavirus, we have tabled that. We are a small <laughs> bootstrap team. We only focus on what is uh, urgent on any given day. So I've tabled that so that we can focus on our tech build, which is another huge initiative for us this year. Um, we're going to build tech that allows us to better communicate with our Rosies and to create custom pools of talent for our big clients. Wow. So version 2.0 of a Rosie partnership looks like a custom bench of talent for a specific brand or agency that's uniquely suited to work with them because of the profiles of talent that have been successful there in the past. Um, so our tech will enable that. And we're scaling our team. So we have five open headcount right now. We're focused on building out our sales organization, operationalizing our company so that we are ready for the next phase of growth. In the next couple of months, we'll be working with about 28 Fortune 500 companies wow. um, and four Fortune 10 brands. 
So I really want to scale those partnerships, not because of revenue that's helpful as a bootstrapped company, but so we can put more rosies to work. Our North Star is how many lives can we change with this business? What do you see as your competition? It varies day to day. You know, we take work away from the big consulting firms. As I mentioned earlier, we have some clients that had budgets that were earmarked for Accenture that are coming our way now. We do sometimes run up against the old school staffing firms that have just by default been the ones providing marketing talent, but haven't been able to do it well because they're too broad and marketing is very niche and things are changing and you have to know the industry really well to do it right. So on any given day, it's somebody different. We don't have any direct competition that is serving brands and agencies the way we are. Now, you're a women-led business. How has that been a good thing to be? Has it been a challenge for you? What are the challenges you've had to overcome in order to be so successful as a woman-led business? You know, I think being a woman-owned business is a badge of honor for us. I think about, you know, my mother didn't go to college and worked really hard her entire life, and she wasn't in a position to do what I'm doing. And so I get to stand on the shoulders of all the women that came before us and really maximize my impact on the world through this business. So I really view it as a badge of honor. It's certainly helpful. We're a certified woman-owned business. And as you think about supplier diversity programs within Fortune 500 brands, it's nice to be able to check that box for them. But the downside, and one thing that I'm really passionate about, is working with a woman-owned business um, or working with a startup doesn't mean you get the B team. Right. And so that's something I'm really cognizant of is sometimes there's so many so much focus on women led teams and mom led companies that I don't ever want the perception to be that this is the the kids table, that women are kind of relegated to like we have our own special system to evaluate women. We are Rosie is an incredible company, regardless of who's at the helm and regardless of what gender is leading this company. And so I don't ever want that to get muddled. We should win all the awards, not because we're women, but because of the work we're doing. So you're dealing with freelancers for the most part. So what are the regulations around bringing freelancers in and how does that affect your business and how do you have to work around some of that to make things happen for clients? Yeah, I love this question because it's one of the unsexy parts of this business that is critically important. Um, So there are 1,800 laws on the books from a federal, state, and local level governing the classification of workers and how to properly treat and classify workers for a business. Keeping up with those laws is a business in and of itself. We have a team of attorneys that keeps up with them. They're changing all the time. They're often in conflict with one another. More progressive states uh, like California and New York and Massachusetts may have laws on the books that are in conflict with federal statutes around classifying workers. So this is a huge critical component of our business. It's a really big operational lift. And to give you an example, there are laws that say in the state of California, a freelancer has to be paid in full on their last day. That's not the law in other states, Mm. but we have to ensure that we're compliant with those laws. So what we've done as a business and the decision that we've made, this goes back to being a values-based business, is we are going to set a baseline that is so far above what these laws require that we're not going to have to worry about it. Wow. So we W-2 almost all of our Rosies while they're on a project. They become an employee of We Are Rosie. We're then offering them um, full benefits, medical, dental, and vision. Wow, that's different. So we don't have to worry about the laws around that because we're just we're going above and beyond. Um, we also pay them weekly 
So we may have net 90 terms with a massive Fortune 10 brand. Regardless, we make sure our team and our talent gets paid every week because we want them to have that dignity and respect. We don't want them worried about money while they're supporting our clients. Wow, that's great. So you're two years in, but you've got 4,000 people working with you already, which is amazing. How do you communicate with those people? How do you keep the culture going? How do you let others know about the exciting things that are happening here? Yeah, our new community and marketing team is working really hard on the communication strategy and making sure that our Rosies do feel connected to our business, whether they're on a project or not. So that's a really primary focus. The other side of that coin is how do we let the world know what this opportunity means for them. We're actually in progress right now on the first annual Rosie Report, which is of course being made by our Rosies. And we're looking to quantify the opportunity presented by freelance and independent talent in the marketing and advertising industry. So who are these people? What lights them up? Why are they working in this way? And how are the biggest brands in the world tapping into this talent and what success are they seeing? So there will be a case study component. There will be a kind of quantifying component of the opportunity here. And then there are two other areas that we're going to elaborate on within the Rosie Report is what does this way of work mean for sustainability long term, right? If you think about some of these bi- the biggest brands in the world, like Microsoft saying we want to be carbon uh, negative in the next I don't know, 10 years. Which or, is huge. Yeah. It's huge. What does the fact that 90% of our Rosies work remote mean for their sustainability objectives? And how does that um, stack up against the traditional consulting firms that have teams of people flying into your office every day? So I really want to question that. I really want people to understand that they have to live and embody these values in the partners that they choose for their business and how they access talent. The other piece that we'll be covering is what does this workforce mean for inclusion? Um, One of the things that I'm really, really passionate about is diversity and inclusion and equity within our community. These are all things we take really seriously. And because we've created a platform where everybody is welcome and they feel it through the values that we embody, the way that we carry ourselves in the marketplace, we have attracted such diverse talent. So it was a huge gift for us to put 40% of the Rosies that we put to work last year were people of color not because we had a quota, not because our clients were insisting on it, but because inclusion and diversity just is when you create an environment where everybody can thrive. So what does this mean for a DNI strategy at a major corporation? What does this mean for a CMO who wants more inclusive teams? So we really want to highlight these things and move the conversation forward. So we've talked about where We Are Rosie is going. Where are you going personally? What's next for you, Stephanie? I'm constantly pushing myself to be a better leader. I talk a lot about business as a spiritual journey, and it really has been for me. And I say, when you're running a company, particularly a company that is going to be the legacy for my family, that my husband and my children are stakeholders in, it's so important to stay true to your values. And you'll find in an entrepreneurial setting that all the skeletons kind of rise, the the parts of you that you may not be so proud of, the parts of you that you need to work hard to change are going to come up. And so I'm just constantly in a place of leveling up who I am as a leader, a business leader, and somebody that can usher this mission forward. So that's what I'm focused on right now in enabling and supporting the absolutely incredible team that I've assembled to work on this business every day. And that's where my focus is for this year. And I can't think much farther beyond that. Well, thank you, Stephanie, that was fun. Thank you, Brian, I really enjoyed it.
Thank you for listening to this edition of Project Next. Until next time, I'm Brian Martin.